Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this opportunity that we get to gather here. Um, and Lord, I just pray that uh, the words that I speak would bring grace to the hearers, and not only to the hearers, Lord, but to my own soul that needs it. In your name we ask, amen. So, I want to talk about what I call, or have borrowed from another speaker, but we'll use it for my own purposes, the rubber band approach. And the, the, the idea is that in order for the rubber band to fly, you got to put pressure and strain on the bands to store up energy, and then obviously you release it. And the farther you pull it back, obviously not to the point of breaking, uh, the farther the rubber band, or the more energy at least, that the rubber band has to actually travel the distance. And so I'm going to talk about three points where, where farming has either um, stretched me and how that's been a benefit, or I've received the benefit of how it stretched others. Does that make sense? So the three points are, um, it helps us ask better questions. That's point number one. Point number two is, it puts us in a better place to reach out to people struggling with the same problems. Okay? And point number three is, it reveals to us our need of outside help. Okay? So point number one. This is a point from our own farm. Um, when, we, when we started, well, when I started getting interested in, in growing well, no, let's back up a few years there, even on that. Uh, my grandfather put in, helped us put in our, our first garden. And it did, it did well the first year, but the next year, we, see, we just didn't really know what we were doing. Um, the next year, uh, it didn't do so well because we didn't know what we were doing. And after that year, it uh, set idle for about eight years as a weed patch. The only utility that it had was uh, it was a halfway point on a Frisbee golf course that we had going around our property and you know you have to hit the fig tree in the garden and then and then from there you go and hit the other tree and and that's that's the utility that it had for us um, for about yeah for about probably eight years or so but after that point I started getting interesting interested in it again but you see we never bought this land thinking that we were going to grow on it so it was about two acres of six to twelve inches of rocky topsoil with bedrock underneath that was what we had to deal with and uh, so over the next eight years of actually growing there, we meticulously uh, took rock out of about a quarter acre of land. That was interesting. And then on top of that, the soil was kind of out of whack to begin with. And that was a challenge in itself. And I can't say that we really ever got anything balanced there per se. Um, it was just a struggle kind of all the way through. You know, it's kind of depressing to a degree to think back on that, but one thing that it did help us with is it helped us ask the right questions, okay? And what I mean by that is the reality is that in farming, you have to suffer to a degree in order to even know the right questions to ask. And knowing the right questions to ask is half the battle. I mean, usually I hear, I mean, I mean that's why you guys are here. Right? That's why you're going to classes to hear from people that have gone through these problems because they've been knocked down so many times that they're able to share their experiences so that you know the hopefully the right questions to ask. Or, but, but regardless of whether you hear from someone else, the reality is, is that you're going to have to be knocked down yourself to a certain extent 
inherently. It's not an if, it's a when. And so, you know, embracing that aspect of the journey and not looking at it as a drudgery, but as an opportunity to be able to ask the right questions. And this kind of moves to my second point. It puts us in a better place to reach out to people struggling with the same problems. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of come at this uh, from, from a receiving end of things. My, my crop consultant that I work with is Whitmar, and he's not, he, I don't know, he's not here this morning. Um, but there's another guy uh, by the name of Bill Brush that is uh, a water and soil consultant down in Modesto, California, that we've worked quite a bit with. And, and Whitmar and I actually went to an intensive of his a few years ago in St. Louis. He has people, there's a room of about mm, 80 to 90 consultants from around the globe, everywhere from New Zealand to Germany to France to, you know, just all these different places. And, you know, they're, they're coming to listen to this guy because he's made a lot of mistakes. You know, I mean, and, and, he, and he says it. He's like, you know, you know how I knew not to do this? He's like, well, I did it. <laughs> and that's how it works. It, it's interesting that we... We, we spend so much time, effort, and money to go to hear people that have made mistakes. But the reality is, is that we know that there, there's something about making mistakes that eliminates the vibrato in someone and puts them in a position where we're willing to listen. Okay? And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. I know that um, Emian mentioned this the other day as far as why are farmers so trusted. I think it's because they've been knocked down so many times. I mean, literally, there, there's, there's, there's an experience there, and I haven't gone through the whole experience, but, you know, just listening to this guy, Bill, you know, he's been in the industry for 50, 60 years. Um, he's made tons of mistakes, and there's just a realism about him, a genuineness that you just don't get without having that experience. And I really value that. Um, it... It makes me almost cry. To th I mean, we're talking about soils here, but we're talking about life. Okay, this is what it's about, and um, and I think that I think that moves to the to the third point here. Okay, and the third point is it reveals to us our need of outside help, and I think this is pivotal. Um, is that when when you're stretched, when you're stretched like the rubber band. It reveals things to you about yourself that otherwise, in the absence of that, wouldn't be revealed. I have grown a lot, and I have to honestly say that there has been some times on the farm where you sometimes doubt if you're a Christian, okay? You, you go through things, and it's like, is my, is my religious experience only as good as my best tomato crop? And if it's as good as my best tomato crop, it's pretty bad <laughs> at this point. Now, we're learning, but the reality is, is that this last year we lost 80% of our production to Blossom Enrot because of some unforeseen, well, we're still working on that. But I, I believe it's water quality issues and how that affects calcium uptake. And anyways, we're going to go off on that. But, you know, it really makes you think sometimes. It really makes you question your sincerity and your religious belief. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we're, we're put in positions where we honestly have to reevaluate because the, 
as one person says, the unevaluated life is not worth living. And um, that is, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting how that works. But not, not just to the point of where we evaluate, but that it, it, it shows us our need of outside help. And, and namely, in the religious experience, it shows us our need of Christ. And that's something that, I'm not saying that you can't learn this in other industries, but farming really has brought this home to me in different ways because there's so much outside of your control. There's so many variables at play, and you see your need. You see it every day. You know, sometimes you just don't feel like going out to your field because there's so many things going wrong. Well, but why don't you want to go out? Is it because things are going wrong, or is it because you don't want to face who you are as a person? I think it's interesting, and this is kind of my, my closing thought here, I find it interesting, I just, it, just, it just hit me a few months ago actually, reading in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, latter end of chapter 3, most of you know it's t- Christ is talking to the church of Laodicea. And the thing that keeps Laodicea from being hot is not because they're not doing ministry and it's not because they're not doing certain things, it's because they don't see their need. If we if we want to get out of Laodicea, we have to see our need. But in order to see our need, what does Christ say? Those I love, I rebuke and chasten. The aspect of the ability to, to see our need requires rebuke, sometimes from plants, <laughs> and chastening, which is not a pleasant experience, but it's needful. And I, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure where to go out because I know where it talks about the, buy of me gold tried in the fire and white raiment and eye salve so that you might see the idea is that, well, the, the, the righteousness of Christ is, the, is, the, fire, is, the, is the, the gold tried in the fire and the raiment is his and the eye salve he gives to us. I find it interesting that even Christ, to give us those righteousness, he says gold, but he doesn't just say gold. He says gold tried in the fire. It's required. Even for Christ was trialed. He didn't come to just come. He came to suffer. A man acquainted with grief. And, um, you know, he, he didn't need to do that. But he did it to set an example for us of what we need. And to, to be able to look and to see our need, but not just see our need, but to actually go to the right source. Because many times people realize their need, but they try to quiet it with things. And I have to be honest that I have done that. I don't uh, stand up here claiming that I know or have arrived. I think it's interesting, and I I mentioned this last year in, in the morning devotional talk, there's a story about well, this is not, I don't even know if this is true, but there was a movie that we watched about Martin Luther, okay, the great reformer, and um, obviously he went through a lot of trials, but in, in the movie, okay, I, I'm not trying to say this is what Martin Luther said, but I found it interesting that he's talking with his, you know, superior or whatever in the monastery, and, and uh, the guy says, I'm going to send you to Wittenberg to teach the scriptures, okay, and and he says, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. I, I can't teach the scriptures. I'm so broken. I don't know what to do, you know, type of thing. And he says, ah, well, we preach best what we need to learn most. I need to learn this more than anyone. 
and we need to look to that outside help that can only bring us the success. If we try to look to things, if it's empty, we have to find Christ. And I want to finish with this um, poem by Annie Johnson Smith. She was a, a poet at the turn of the century, I believe, um, orphaned at a very young age, um, went through a lot of struggles in her life. And I think because of those struggles, it speaks volumes to the ability to write something like this. But it goes like that. He, this, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labor increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercies. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His boundary, sorry, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And that's all I have. So let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for trials and what they show us about ourselves, how they help us ask the right questions, how they prepare us to minister to others who are struggling with the same experience. Lord, may we never feel qualified in ourselves, but feel qualified only in you. May your grace be with us today. May this conference not be an experience for only technical knowledge, but for spiritual advancement. May we see our need. May we go to the right source in Christ Jesus. May we buy gold tried in the fire from you, white raiment and eye salve, that we might see our true condition. And we thank you that you love us enough to rebuke and chasten us. In your name we ask, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.